Well, good morning once again. Uh, If you just came in and you don't know who I am, my name is Chris and I'm the lead pastor here and we're just honored to be spending this time with you in the presence of God. Let me pray for us and then we'll dig into what he has to say today. So, Father, we know that every message in this series has been equally important, but today is one that can really make a big difference in our lives. And we know your word should not fall on deaf ears, God, so help us to absorb it and soak it in and apply it to our lives because you don't want us to have a spirit of fear and anxiety. You don't design us to go through life that way. And in fact, you offer so much more than that. A life in you brings peace and comfort and joy and security. And so, God, help us to hear you today. Use me, speak through me in any way you see fit, and make this message all about you. But most of all, cause us to be changed so that we leave here different people than we were when we came in, God. We love you so much, and we pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll say amen. If you're at home, type amen. Um, uh, I am a person in case you didn't know, who likes to watch people. And I don't mean like creepy watch people, right? Like creepy watch people. I'm, I'm an observer. Let me put it that way. That's a little bit better way to say it. I observe people. I like to observe how people act and interact and react and, and, and act when they're in a group and act when they're alone. And occasionally I do sit on the boardwalk and just watch stupid people go by. You know, I mean, who doesn't love to do that? And, and it amazes me, it amazes me how in a group setting... Two different people can look at the same thing and have a different perspective. How no matter what's happening, there's always going to be a few people who see it this way and there's always going to be a few people who see it this way. For instance, this simple glass of water. Y'all know where this is going, right? Some of us look at this glass and we see this glass as half full. Some of us look at this glass and see this glass as half empty. There are some of us who probably just look at it and say, that's a glass of water. I'm thirsty. Can I have some? That's okay. That's okay. But it's amazing to me. And by the way, who who are my glass half full people up here in the house? You guys are going to love this message. Who are my glass half empty people? You guys are probably going to hate it at first. But I guarantee you, if you hear what God has to say to you today, it will make such a big, big difference in your, in your battles with anxiety and fear and stress and worry. But it, it's true. Today we're talking about perspective. We're going to talk about how we look at things. We've been in this series for a couple of weeks now called Anxious for Nothing, based on Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. We're taking truths of God's scripture and applying it to our lives and, and helping us to deal with these feelings of anxiety and stress and worry and chaos and all of the stuff that life brings us. Anybody not feel that from time to time? We all do. We all suffer from those things. And before I go any further, I just wanted to take some time because I have shared some things with you over the past couple of weeks, and I'm going to share something with you today that um, leaves me and my family a little bit vulnerable. 
And, and I just want to take some time, first of all, to say thank you guys for always allowing me to be transparent in that way, um, to be real and just to, to kind of tell it like it is. I'm, I'm not looking for any, anything. I just want to thank you truly from the bottom of my heart because it makes it so much easier for me to be able to share my life experience with you when you guys aren't judging me for some of the things that I've shared with you. So that's out of the way. That's out of the way. Philippians chapter 4. Everybody turn there. We're going to read there in just a second. Philippians chapter 4, we kind of touched on this in week 1, was written by the Apostle Paul. Now, the interesting story, if you don't know about the Apostle Paul, is that the Apostle Paul at one time was a really nasty, horrible, awful human being. He was a Pharisee. And in fact, he was a really good Pharisee. And if you read some of his writings, he will tell you that his credentials kind of put him at the top upper crust of all Pharisaical people. And he would go out. It was his life's mission to persecute anyone who followed Jesus Christ. Anyone who believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, who believed that Jesus Christ died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins, who believed that Jesus Christ was raised on the third day, he would go and ask the government, can I have permission to go and beat these people up? Until one day, he was out on his way to beat some Christians up. He's on the road to Damascus, and the risen Jesus Christ appeared to Paul in person. And Paul was forever changed by that. And in fact, it became Paul's life mission to preach the gospel, to preach the truth about Jesus Christ, to to tell anybody he could. And in fact, he had dreamed of going to Rome to preach the gospel because if you can't preach the gospel in Rome, if you preach the gospel in Rome, you made it, right? I mean, that's like, you know, that's the stage. That's the place. That's where the center of everything was. It was his dream to preach the gospel in Rome. And Paul finally got to Rome in prison. He was arrested and thrown in prison in Rome, chained, not there to preach, but there to serve a sentence and be tried. Can you imagine Paul's discouragement? Have you ever had a dream that you had pursued only to have something in life sidetrack you? Can you imagine his anxiety? I don't know about you guys, but in my stupid younger days, I spent some time in a holding cell. When I say some time, it was like six hours uh, in a holding cell. And six hours was enough. Six hours was enough. I mean, the whole concept of not being able to do anything. I couldn't eat, right, because your boy likes to eat. You know, the hard plastic thing that they tell you to sleep on. It was cold. It was freezing. They didn't give you your coat. I spent six hours there. I can't imagine the anxiety that Paul was feeling or anybody can feel when they're in that place for a long, long, long time. And it's not just a physical prison that we have to deal with. Sometimes we're in our own kind of metaphorical prisons. Anybody relate to that? Anybody just trapped sometimes by your thoughts of anxiety and worry and fear? So much so that it holds you in a prison cell. But in that context, in a prison cell, Paul writes these words. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he does what our moms do when we're not listening. He says, I will say it again. Rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, he says. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice. Those are amazing words, aren't they? Isn't that an amazing verse? It is just so amazing. It is an amazing verse to put on our refrigerator. It's an amazing verse to write in a greeting card. Some of us may even have a coffee mug with that verse on it. Rejoice in the Lord always. We set it down next to our Bible. We put a filter on our Instagram photo, and we post it up there with the hashtag morning devotional. It is an amazing verse to quote to someone when they're going through it, isn't it? It's so, you know, you're going through it, and they're like, just rejoice in the Lord always. That's what God's word says. But don't you hate it yourself when somebody comes to you in the middle of your stuff and says, it's simple. Just rejoice in the Lord always. Just rejoice in the Lord always. What? When I'm upset? When I got a flat tire on the beltway and all the cars are doing 80 miles, I'll show you rejoice. I'll show you rejoice. Rejoice always. Always when my spouse keeps lying to me, I'm supposed to rejoice always. When I'm battling cancer, when my mom's battling cancer, when my dad's battling cancer, I'm supposed to rejoice all the time. When you've lost your scholarship and you got to drop out of school, I'm supposed to rejoice all the time. Your boyfriend or your girlfriend keeps cheating on you, you're supposed to rejoice all the time. You have a child who has been battling drug addiction for over a decade, and I'm supposed to rejoice always? I can't even make my rent this month. I can barely put food on my table, and I'm supposed to rejoice always? I'm so anxious every day that I can barely get out of bed to leave my house, and I'm supposed to rejoice always? Imagine that context that Paul writes this verse in. Out of that context, he writes our whole entire passage. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. That's what we talked about last week, if you remember. Not just the good times, not just when it's easy, not just when things are going your way, not just when the sun is shining and the rainbows are out and you're standing on the mountaintop, but in all the situations. He said, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How could Paul rejoice in that scenario? How could Paul rejoice when he's locked in a Roman prison, when all he wanted to do was preach? How could he praise when he dreamt of preaching, when he goes to bed in prison? And more importantly, because it's one thing for Paul, but how do we do that? How do we do it when you failed your final exam and you got to repeat that class? How do we praise in that situation? When your bills aren't paid, how do you praise? When your dog dies, how do you, how do you praise? When your spouse cheats on you, when the anxiety won't stop and it's crippling you and you can't do anything, how do you rejoice and praise in that situation? 
when the addictions keep coming and the future's uncertain, how do you praise? It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. Do we see a glass half full or do we see a glass half empty? The title of today's message is called The Perspective of Praise. And perspective is a very simple word. It simply means how you see something. And we all see something through a filter. We all see something through a situation. Sometimes our situation just has been going on for so long that that's the only lens we have to see through. Those blinders are on. Two people can look at the same thing. Two people can look at the same situation. Two people can look at the same uh, triumph. Two people can look at the same tragedy and see something totally different. Perspective changes things. A couple of years ago, uh, on vacation, we decided we were going to go to an escape room. <laughs> uh, I have never been in an escape room. Emily had been in an escape room a couple of times before that. Um, and we found out later that we chose one that was like a level 10 out of 10. Um, but we go in there, and it's like this Sherlock Holmes theme thing, office. you got to do these things. And, and, you know, they think they're helping you. They play this video at the very beginning. It's like 12 seconds long, and they talk so fast you can't understand anything. And that's supposed to be enough instructions to give you the perspective to be able to find your way out of this room. And so we're doing a thing. Emily's kind of leading. And we're finding all these little things we think are clues. We're not sure because we really don't know what we're supposed to be doing. We find all these little things, and by all these little things, there's a little red ball with a pin on it. And so at some point down the road, we, we notice there's a map on the wall, and the map's got all these little holes in it. And so we're like, well, maybe we're supposed to stick them in the map. I don't know. We, we're, I can't see. We don't see what the end is. We don't see the perspective. And we're, so we're, we're sticking them in the map in all these kind of willy-nilly places. There's like 30 holes in the map. We find like six pins. So, you know, it's like... What's going on here? And finally, with 45 seconds left, 45 seconds left, I guess the guy who was running the place felt sorry for us. And he came over to the loudspeaker and he said, you have to go back and reread the clues to find out where the pins go. So we're like, you know, we, finally, we got some perspective now. We know what we're supposed to do. So we're reading these clues and we're putting them in all these places. And sure enough, we put that last pin in the right place. This little door opens up. There's a number there. We got to punch that. And with one second left, Literally, one second left, we made it out of the escape room. Perspective changes things. It's all about perspective. It's the same word we get the word perceive from. It's how we look through things. And we, listen, we have a choice. We have a choice how we see things. We have a choice what perspective we look at our situations with. Now, Paul He could have looked at his situation through a perspective of fear and anxiety. He could have looked at his surroundings. He could have looked at the fact that he was in chains in a Roman prison. And that could have shaped everything he said. But what he did, he decided to look through at his situation from a perspective of praise. And this is more evident in the beginning of the book of Philippians. When Paul is telling people what's going on in his life, he's letting them know his situation. He writes this whole letter from a Roman prison. Now, Paul could have written something very different. And I will give you fair warning. What I'm about to read is not a quote from any translation of the Bible you will ever find. It's from what I call the BPV, the bad perspective version. Paul could have started this letter to the Philippians this way. 
Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me really sucks. God let me down. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. And because of the situation I'm in, I'm quitting my small group, and I am never coming back to church, and I'm done with this whole God thing. I wonder if anybody can relate to that. I wonder if anybody can relate to those feelings. I've been worshiping God. I've been following Jesus. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do, and it still hasn't stopped. My situation is still the same. In fact, some days I think it's a little bit worse. I'm done with this God. He's not helping me. I'm done with church. I've been going to church every week for a month. And my life is not fixed yet. That was funny. Can we relate? And we think we're justified. We think we got good reason. You know, we got to blame somebody. But we have to take our cue from Paul. Paul could have had the perspective of pain and fear and anxiety, but he changed his perspective to a perspective of praise. Listen to how he actually starts this letter. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this is Philippians 1, verse 12 to 13. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Think about that. I'm in prison, folks. But you know what? God is still being preached. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I am in chains for Christ. And that actually has two meanings because he was actually arrested for preaching the gospel. So he's in chains because he was preaching the gospel. But he's in chains as a prisoner to Jesus Christ. He's like, I'm going to do everything I can while I'm in this situation. I could look at it with fear and anxiety and depression and my dark cloud. But I choose. I choose to do something else. I choose to look at this from a perspective of praise. He could have been like, my dreams are over. I'm just stuck here. I can't sleep. I can't breathe. Dude next to me smells. He hadn't had a bath in like three weeks. The floor is dirt. It's cold. They're giving me gruel to eat. And, you know, and I don't like gruel. But what he did was something much different. He changed his perspective to a perspective of praise. He said, my God will never leave me. My God is working all things for my good. Even if I don't see it right now, I know he's working. My God is for me. My God is with me. He says, he promises me that no weapon formed shall prosper. No weapon that somebody can bring against me. Not this prison, not this anxiety, not this situation, not the fact that my husband's cheating on me, not the fact that my child is addicted to drugs. Nothing will prosper. Nothing. He says, my God is in all things. And above all, my God is good my god is good perspective of praise <laughs> and here's the funny thing he was chained to roman guards right influential leaders in the roman army in the roman government he had a new audience every eight hours every eight hours they changed somebody new to him and he's over there preaching the gospel to him and some of them were actually responding and who was the real prisoner there Paul's like, okay, you're going to lock me up? You're coming with me then. How about this Jesus Christ I know, you know? That's what puts all about perspective. It's all about perspective. Do we see the worst in every situation? Are we walking around with our little Eeyore on? Like, not much of a tail, but it's what I got, you know? 
Rain clouds coming down. Are we walking around like that? That's right. Oh, by it. Thank you, Brandon. Are we always seeing our ship sinking, filling with water, wondering how we're ever going to get out? Or do we change our perspective? Do we change our perspective to simply, we can simply add one phrase to our perspective. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. He never stops being good. And he's always in your corner. He's always in your corner. And what I find so powerful about what Paul writes in the book of Philippians is that this wasn't the first time Paul praised God while he was in prison. If you want to go home and read Acts chapter 16, we're going to kind of talk about it here, but we won't read the whole thing. I welcome you to do it. But in Acts chapter 16, we see our friend Paul with his buddy Silas. Silas was his preaching companion. They were kind of doing ministry together. And the text tells us that they were going to a place of prayer. Now, this would be similar to us going to our small group, right? By the way, small groups, Tuesdays, Bible study, Wednesdays, young adults, Thursdays, men and women, HSU on Tuesdays, paid advertisement. That's all I'll say about that. We're having a great time. You guys need to be in a small group. But that's where they were going. They're going to their little place of prayer. They're going to their little small group. Now, on the way, they come across this woman who was possessed by an evil spirit. And she was working for a guy, and she was telling people's future. She was, she was like, you know, the soothsayer, as we say. And this guy would make money off of that. Now, Paul said, oh, you're possessed with an evil spirit, huh? And he cast it out. That's a good thing, right? Except the guy who was making money off of her was none too happy about it because he had now lost his source of income. And so a riot breaks out. A riot breaks out. Not just this guy. This guy's not like, I'm going to beat Paul up. He calls the whole town. In fact, here's what it says. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates, the guy in charge of the town, ordered them to be stripped and beaten because he was doing God's work. Now, I know you guys are going through stuff, but I hope nobody in here in the recent past has been stripped of their clothes and beaten with bamboo canes. I, I hope not. But maybe you have been stripped of your confidence. Maybe what you're going through has taken you to a place that has stripped you of your peace or stripped you of your joy. Or stripped you of the comfort of being able to get out of bed in the morning without worrying about what's going on in your life. Maybe you have been beaten down to a place of discouragement. To a place where there's nothing but doubt and darkness and worry. Paul was serving God. Serving God. Doing God's work. And he was rolled and thrown into prison. He's sitting there bloody and bruised. Probably got black eyes. Probably got broken nose. Couple broken ribs. On the cold, hard prison floor. Wrongly accused, by the way. Because he didn't do anything wrong. Violently beaten, beaten. And do you know what Paul did in that situation? He says, hey, let's have a worship night. He did. True story. It'd be kind of like you go over to your friend's house and your friend's like, yeah, I just got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And you're like, great, let's worship. We don't do that. It's crazy. We don't do that at all. Because our perspective 
is limited. Our perspective is always in this place of where we are right now. The blinders come on. The situation that's in front of us becomes our filter. And we start getting to this place where we're like, oh, man, I am in trouble. The pain won't stop. The anxiety won't stop. The fear won't stop. I can't stop smoking this. I can't stop hitting this. I can't stop drinking this. I can't stop looking at those. I am in such big, 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 big trouble. And our perspective just gets limited. Our perspective just gets limited to that one little thing. And we forget about everything else that God has done in our lives. But you know what? Every once in a while, you go talk to somebody, and they start talking to you, and they're like, you're not in that much trouble. That's just one little thing. Just one little thing. Think about all the other stuff. You got your health, got your family, got your kids. We start getting into this place of tunnel vision with our perspective. And we got to change that from a perspective of fear and anxiety to a perspective of praise. And someone here, I know, somebody here has come in with an issue today. Maybe two, maybe three. I don't know. Maybe you got the whole subscription. We can't forget to look at the whole picture. Who is God? What has God done in your life? What has God always done in your life? His promise in Scripture is not that you will live a great life. His promise in Scripture is that I will never leave you. I will never leave you alone. You will never have to walk through any situation you go through by yourself. I will always be there. I will always be there. And if you can't walk, I will pick you up and I will carry you. God is good and God is good all the time. All the time. Perspective is such a big deal. If I'm not dead, I'm not done. If I'm not dead, I'm going to keep praising God. If I'm not dead, I'm not going to let this situation beat me. If I'm not dead, I am not going to let this situation become everything that I see. I'm going to change my perspective to a perspective of praise. Here's what happens next. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So it wasn't just a private little amazing grace. They were singing. They were singing. I mean, the whole prison was up in there. The whole prison was like, yeah, come on, God. Come on, God. That's right. You go, Paul and Silas. You go, you go, you go. That's what it was. The guards made such a big mistake here. The guards made such a big mistake. They should have separated Paul and Silas. They really should have. Because this is what the enemy does to us. This is exactly what the enemy does to us. When we get in that place... Whatever thing you're going through, whatever you want to call it, fear, anxiety, worry, stress, depression, whatever, whatever it is, the enemy wants you. He just keeps putting those lies in your head so that all you do is you start slinking away. You start slinking away by yourself. You start slinking away. You know why? He's like a sniper. It's easier to hit somebody when they're off by themselves than when they're in a crowd. It's easier to hit somebody when they're huddled in their little place and they're not moving and they're paralyzed by fear. But I want to tell you what, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you were going through when you walked in here today, no matter what you might have come out of and no matter what you might be going into, the best choice you made was to show up here today because we're a bunch of crazy people who will sit with you and pray with you and remind you why God is worthy of all of our praise. We call ourselves the Island of Misfit Toys around here. It's absolutely true. We absolutely are. And I love that. I wouldn't have it any other way because all of those life experiences, all of those things, all of those people joined together are our support group. He was praising God while he was in prison. He wasn't praising God for the what. 
He was praising God for the who, for who God was. He was bringing his praise before the provision, before God delivered him, before God opened the walls, before God did anything. He was still in praise no matter where we are. Sometimes we got to praise him in the valley. That's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. Now, spoiler alert, during the middle of this little worship set they were having, an earthquake breaks out, and the doors open, and the chains come loose. And the reason I find this story in Acts so amazingly awesome is because when Paul wrote Philippians from prison, he already knew what God could do in his life. He already knew what God could do in your life. God hadn't done it yet. God could have delivered him, but he didn't. And Paul's like, I'm going to rejoice anyway. I'm going to praise anyway. I'm going to praise him when he delivers me, and I'm going to praise him when he doesn't, and I'm going to praise him everywhere in between because my God doesn't change. My God never changes, and my God is always good. Come on. My God is always good. Sometimes we got to change our perspective. I tell you, when I started this series, when I kind of started collecting notes and doing all that kind of stuff, um, I, I, initially I didn't want to do it because, let's face it, this is a difficult topic. Uh, and, and it's something that hits close to home in our family, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. But um, I didn't want to do it. Let's just put it that way. It was incredibly difficult for me to kind of wrap my head around um, something so simple as applying this truth to life and having it help us with anxiety. And I knew what was coming. I knew that this message series, the perspective of praise, this message was was on the slate. And you know, there was a point in time when all I could do was just, I was blocked, right? I'm like, okay, God, I, I don't have any idea. I don't know what, you know, I, I'm looking at something here. I'm looking at notes, but I can't get from point A to point B. And I just started saying, God, you're always good. God, you're always good. God, you always bring me through. God, you always do it. You always provide. You always are who you are. You never change. You never change. I had to change myself to a perspective of praise in order to get through this because the enemy was trying to take me off track. The enemy did not want you to hear this message series. And I said, no, I'm going to praise God because of who he is. I'm going to praise God because of who he is. And guess what? <laughs> I'm here giving this message. And, and listen, I don't hear a lot of feedback all the time about the messages I give. I mean, sometimes you guys are like great messaging, you know, and I'm not looking for that. I don't do this. If I did this to hear your kudos, I would be doing it for the wrong reason. But I have heard a lot of feedback about this message series in particular, which means a lot because it means that none of us are alone in this battle against fear and anxiety. Not even me. We're not alone. We're not alone. And, and the praise, I don't want to give you the wrong impression. Praise will not make your anxiety go away. It might. I mean, I don't know. It might or it might not. Remember, we subscribe. We're always going to advocate here for a holistic approach to anxiety, right? So if you need to seek counseling, you seek counseling. If you need to seek medication, you seek medication. If you need to change your surroundings, you change your surroundings. Uh, and all of those things may be what God is using in your life to bring healing to you. But we also believe that there is a, a, an entire spiritual component to much of our anxiety and our fear and all those kind of things. And, and, and just, just praising God may not make that go away. But what it does is it changes your perspective. 
It changes your perspective. And you may not see it now. You may not see it tomorrow. You may not see it next week. But the thing you're going through, the thing you're so anxious about, the thing you're so worried about, God might just be preparing you to use you as a minister to somebody else who's going through exactly the same thing and exactly the right time. You're going to meet that person and come across their path, and you're going to be able to give them that wisdom that you learn from God. It happens to us all the time. This is not just a preacher just trying to make an illustration. It happens to us all the time. All the things we've been through, me and Susie together as a family, it is amazing to me how many people come into our lives who are going through that same thing, and we can just say, you know, we have been there. We can, we can talk to them, and we can lift them up, and we may not have an answer for them, but we can always point them in the right direction because of what God has done for us. Praise changes your perspective. Absolutely. Every day. Here's what happens. I love this. Acts 16, verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. Not after they finished their praise. Not after they started thinking about it. Not after they're like, amen, let's go home. Everybody be healthy and safe. And, you know, have a good day. While they were praising, in the middle of their praise, as they were bringing that praise to God, it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Amen. Come on, praise can change your perspective. I can just see it in my head, right? I can just see it in my head. It's like midnight. Paul and Silas are sitting there chained together. And Paul's like, hey, Si, you awake? Not you up. They didn't have Netflix back then. You awake? And Silas is like, well, I'm awake now, Paul. <laughs> and Paul leans over to him. He's like, um, he's like, uh. Hey, I'm just thinking, how about we sing that new worship song we just heard at Hope Springs Church? That's a great song. And they're praying and they're singing hymns and they're worshiping God, not because God has taken them out of prison, but for who God is, they're worshiping him. And this violent earthquake shakes the whole prison. Every corner of the prison shakes. The prison doors fly open and the chains come off. Praise may not change your situation, but it will absolutely change your perspective. And sometimes the only thing that can free you from those chains is the perspective of praise, praising God for who he is in that situation. Sometimes perspective is the big difference. We um, went through a time in our lives. And I say the reason this series becomes more difficult for me is because we are not strangers to anxiety and depression and fear. And there was a time in our lives when that was very heavy in our family. It's about 10 years ago now. And... Um, there were some dark days. I, I mean dark days where it was like, just get us through these next five minutes kind of dark days. And it was tough. And it was hard. And there was a period in time when both of us started going down this path that the, that the enemy wants us to go down. 
right? Just, just getting blinded by the, the, the chaos and the anxiety and the fear and the depression that was happening in that place. And it just kept getting darker and darker and darker. And I'm not sure if at some point in time we decided together or some point in time Susie decided and I decided individually. But there was some point in time when we just said enough is enough. And we just said, God, you are good. God, you are good. And we know that even if you don't heal us tomorrow, even if you don't heal us next day, that someday, one day down the road, you will bring what you want in our lives. You will bring the healing. And we just started focusing on who God was, not what he was doing in our lives right there, because we knew that God is faithful. We knew that someday he would bring through. We knew that someday he would provide the provision. But it was that praise that actually got us through, that got us through from one day to the other, just focusing on, on who, who God is and, and what he could do if he wanted to. And we never lost sight of that. And it was the only thing that could get us through. And I just want to tell you that sometimes you might find that the key that unlocks your miracle is the sound of your praise. When we lift our voices in praise, when we give it to God, everything we've got, not because of what he's doing, but because of who he is, it may just unlock your prison doors. It may just let those chains fall off and you might be free. And I have a feeling, I hope, I hope that somebody is going to be praising him today. I hope that somebody is going to be praising him today, no matter what situation you're going through. Your perspective is changing. And your hands might be in metaphorical chains, but your heart is always free to praise. Change the perspective. If he breaks me out, if he breaks me out, I'm going to praise him. If he doesn't break me out, I'm going to praise him. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, don't fear, don't be afraid, because I will eventually bring you to a place of comfort and rest. We will praise him when we're in the valley, and we will praise him when we're on the mountaintop. He says, rejoice in the Lord always always i'll say it again rejoice praise him praise him when the world fights against you praise him when you're waiting praise him when you don't see any movement praise him when the diagnosis isn't what you want praise him while you're waiting praise him in the prosperity and praise him in the pain not praising him for what he's doing in your life but praising him simply because of who he is and when we get to that place when we change our perspective when our perspective switches from fear and anxiety and stress and worry to a perspective of praise it might just unlock those prison doors it might just drop those chains it might shake your walls and things might start to change praise him who are we praising his name is jesus it's jesus the one who gave it all for you everything what's your perspective today what lens are you seeing your situation through And it may be that you don't know Jesus and you have no other filter and no other lens to look through. And I got to tell you, I think that's a problem. I got to tell you that unless we have that constant steady rock that never moves and is never shaken, look, all the things you're going through, those things will change. And there'll be new things tomorrow and there'll be new things next week and there'll be new things next month. But you know what? Jesus never changes never and maybe it's time to just give up control of your own life and hand it over to him let him guide it let him lead it i don't ever want to leave here without giving somebody a chance to have a relationship with jesus christ scripture says if we believe 
If we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is the Son of God, and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, then we will be saved. And so if you're in that place today where you are just desperate for that constant, that solid, that, that one true light in all the darkness, I invite you to pray with us today with all heads bowed. We'll pray it this way. Jesus, I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world. I believe your death on the cross satisfied my condition of sin. I believe you rose three days later, defeating my spiritual death. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I give everything I am to you. Thank you so much, Jesus. And Father God, we just thank you for anybody who has made a decision to follow Jesus today, anybody who has made a decision to have that one constant solid rock in their lives. Not the waves, not the wind that will always batter us, not the waves and the wind that will always change, but you, God, you always good and always really good at being good and so God today help us to just always have a perspective of praise help us to always be in a place where no matter what the situation is we can lift our hands